As we stand, let's pray. Father God, please would you speak to us through your word. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, and show us the Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you please be seated. Think differently. Live differently. That's what Paul is saying here. You are, as a Christian, a believer, a new person. Last week we were looking at the idea that when we put our faith in Jesus, in Christ, when we're baptised, we do not simply just come into a relationship with Jesus, but we are placed, if you remember what we said last week, you are placed in Christ, in Jesus. I mean, it's like going to Sheremetyevo Airport. Uh, you put your trust in the plane that it will fly. And you walk into the plane. You are now in the plane. When the plane is on the ground, you're on the ground. When the plane is in the air, I don't know whether you ever think about this or reflect about this, it is absolutely amazing. You are 35,000 feet above the land and there is nothing in between you and the land. You are flying in the plane. <laughs> and when we put our trust in Jesus, we are in him. Where Jesus is, we are. That means when Jesus died on the cross, we also died with him. Verse 3 in our reading says, you have died. That's what it means. We died when Jesus died. And last week we saw that when we're baptised, when I was baptised, the old Malcolm, who wants to live for the things of this world and in the strength of the things of this world, you know, the currency of this world, the stuff of this world, the glory and status of this world, the delights that this world offers, that old Malcolm died. And when Christ rose from the dead, I was raised with him. Verse 1, you have been raised in Christ. So when we were baptised, when we put our faith in Jesus, when we received Christ, the old you died. And a new you, a you with Jesus, rose from the dead. And Christ is now seated at the right hand of the Father. That's what it says here in verse 1. It's picture language. You know, how do we explain a reality that is bigger than space and time? Well, we have to use picture language. But it's picture language which is saying that Jesus Christ now has the authority of God, the intimacy of God, and dignity with God. And because I am in Christ, because you are in Christ, you are seated at the right hand of the Father. It, it may not be obvious now. You know, there are times when I just live a real gutter life. But that is my true position. 
that is your true position. And one day it will be revealed. And when a person becomes a Christian, when they receive Christ, they become a new person. They have been united with Jesus, bound together with Jesus. They have been, if you do knitting, they've been knitted together with Jesus. Their identity and their destiny <coughs> are intertwined with the identity and destiny of Jesus. Paul writes, when anyone is in Christ, they are a new person. The old has gone, the new has come. Think of the aeroplane again. You're in the plane. Someone looks up and says, you know, they're, they're a plane buff, and they look up and say, there is flight SU-2654. But somebody else looks up and says, no, there is Liz. There is Anastasia. There is Dimitri. And Paul continues here and says, If you are in Christ, seated at the right hand of Father God, then live as if you are in Christ. The old you has died to the things of this world and the strength of this world, so live as if the old you has died. And you've come alive with Christ, so live as someone who is alive to the things of God. Live as a new person. Think as a new person. We're to think differently as people who are in Christ. Verse 1, seek the things that are above. Verse 2 of Colossians 3, set your minds on things that are above. Look up. Look at the divine. Look at the eternal. I walk along so often looking down at the ground. It's very sensible. I don't want to trip up. But I miss so much. And at times we need to look up, look at the sky. It's so easy to walk along to look for the 10 ruble coins that might be lying there on the ground on the street and to lose the sky. And desire the eternal things Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Be people who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for purity, for peace, and long for God. Long for intimacy with God. Pursue the things that will last forever. Love, truth, wisdom, and beauty. And look at things, look at suffering in the light of the eternal. In Dostoevsky's novel, The Brothers Karamazov, Ivan sees the suffering of children and he refuses to trust a God who lets that happen. But in doing that, he is saying that the suffering is everything. He is denying the possibility of future healing or future reconciliation. He denies the possibility that one day there will be an opportunity to look back and to say what looks to us like pointless, awful suffering was not pointless. It wasn't the act of a sadistic God, but that there is somehow, somehow, some presence of God in it and some good that can come out of it. I know it's difficult. I remember when I was vicar, a vicar in, um, in a London, meeting a man 
who told me that as a child he used to hide in the cupboard when his father came home drunk. He prayed to God that his father would not find him because if his father found him, he would be beaten. And he said, my father always found me and beat me. How can I put my trust in God after that? I have to say that at the time, I couldn't answer him. I'm not sure I could really answer now, but perhaps I would now say is that even if at the time you think you are going through hell and that you've been abandoned by God, faith tells us that suffering and evil does not have the final word. It really is God who has the final word. On Good Friday, Jesus Christ was crucified. It seemed that hate and prejudice and envy and cruelty had won. But it was not the last word. On Easter Sunday, God brought Jesus Christ back from the dead. And many people have said how of times, have told me, and I'm sure you've heard this, of times when they went into the pit, but that they would not change that experience for anything because it was there that they met with God. This week I've been reading a chapter about a Romanian priest and theologian, Dmitri Stanilov, who spent five years in prison during the communist period because of his faith. In his writings, and there are many of his writings, he speaks very little of that time. But he does say that it was during those five years that he began to learn to pray the Jesus prayer almost ceaselessly. And look at people in the light of the love and eternity of God. If you look at your neighbour and see someone who was created in the image of God, who has the potential to have Christ in them and to be in Christ, you will relate to them in a very different way. They are not there simply for you to be used by you. And they are not there as an obstacle to overcome, to be ignored or crushed. Each person in the light of the eternity of God has an astonishing dignity. And look at your fellow believer in Christ in the light of the love and eternity of God. Paul speaks here of the unity of those who have received Christ. We are different but we're bound together in a unity that overcomes all of those things that would separate us. Verse 11, in that renewal, he says, in that renewal, we're talking about believers, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. And look at yourself in the light of the eternal. That's probably the hardest thing. You are in Christ. You are in him, seated at the right hand of the Father. You are flying, not just 35,000 feet above the earth, but in the heavenly places. Can you see yourself in that? Can you see yourself as someone in whom Christ is living, can you see yourself 
as someone who is in Christ. You know, if the atheists are to be believed, and if maybe uh, the book of Ecclesiastes uh, is the last word that we have, well, you are worthless. You're an accident that came from two other accidents who came together and said, let's have an accident. And we live in this freak accident that is our universe. You are meaningless. But with Christ, in Christ, there is one who gives your life an eternal worth. You are no accident. You have value and purpose and meaning. You are not on your own. You have a glorious destiny. A destiny that is tied up. Why? Because you are in Christ. So it's tied up with the destiny of all God's people who are also in Christ and with Christ himself. We're to think differently and we're to live differently. Verse 5, put to death therefore whatever in you is earthly. Verse 9, you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self. We are, with the help of the Spirit, to put to death, to take off our old nature. We are to put to death two of the big things that drive us, if you notice here in this reading, that motivate us. The first is wrong desire. The desire for the things of this world. And in verse 5, Paul is particularly focusing on unlawful sexual desire, fornication, impurity, passion. What can so easily get a grip on us and control us? It's not that sexual desire is wrong, but that it destroys us and it can destroy other people when it is misplaced. And it's not just about sex, there's also greed, the perverted desires for the things of this world, that looks at the good things of this world and doesn't just simply say thank you and enjoy them in their rightful place, but that says, I want more, whether money or possessions or food. Greed is when our desire for those things start to control us. And these are the sort of things that used to drive us, says Paul. And when we pursue those things, we're on the road to self-destruction. And those are the things that in Christ have been put to death in us. And secondly, as new people in Christ, we're to get rid of wrong anger and wrath. Verse 8. This is the anger which drives us on to prove ourselves or to get revenge or to show others that we cannot be ignored or belittled or which thinks that we're not being taken seriously enough. It's the anger which leads us to do or say stuff that we afterwards deeply regret. It's the anger which means we're out of control, which causes us to speak nasty of others and to use slanderous and abusive language. It's the anger that wants to hurt the other, which Jesus says is actually the same as murdering the other person. And in place of slander and malice and abusive anger, we are, it says here, to speak the truth. Or at least we're not to speak what we know is not the truth. Do not lie to one another. It's very easy to live a lie, to hide behind the fabrications that we have made up about ourselves and others. 
but as new people in Christ we can begin to strip away the lies and begin to be honest with each other honest also about our own weakness and fear and sin as people who are growing to realize that we are in Christ that that is our true real destiny seated at the right hand of the Father we can begin just begin but we can begin to face up to all the hurts that are within us we don't need to hide anything think like Christ live like Christ I know it's hard it's hard to remember that we're dead we, our bodies are behaving like headless chickens the head's been chopped off they are dead but they're still running round the courtyard it's hard to remember that we've died when our desires for the things of this world burn within us with a passion it's hard to remember that we've died when the fear or the anger take over and begin to control us but don't despair especially when it gets hard don't give up there's a story told about one of the uh, about a monk who had a real problem with anger he kept on losing it with people and he prayed God please give me patience and the next morning one of the brothers knocked on his door and he exploded and he went out and somebody else said something and he exploded and he saw somebody else who said something and he exploded and he went back to his cell that evening in total despair and he said God he said I asked you to give me patience to help me control my anger and today three times I've lost it and God said to him don't worry don't worry I'm just giving you the opportunity to practice repent come back to God who is always ready to forgive us and ask him for the grace and strength to try again it's a process it'll take time but we are being changed verse 10 talks about us being renewed in knowledge and we're being changed so that we take on the image of our Creator so that we become like Christ the story is told of the old beggar who walked the streets of Detroit nobody knew his story he would sit on the pavement and beg and at times was seen scavenging for whatever food he could find from the bins when it was cold he would curl up in the latest coat or blanket or sleeping bag that somebody had given him he occasionally went to night shelters but not that often he didn't drink and he was quite well spoken wherever he went he carried with him two bags he kept them close by his side sometimes he would be seen looking into those bags sorting whatever was in them but he never let anybody see what was in them when he slept he put his head on them and wrapped the handles through his arms one morning the police found him dead he had died in his sleep as they prized away the bags from his emaciated and already cold body they looked into them the first contained what you might expect bits and pieces picked off the street the sort of worthless stuff that an eccentric might keep 
But what was in the second came as quite a shock. In the second, there were 4,673 $100 notes. As Christians, many of us are like that man. We have immense spiritual wealth, but we live as if we have nothing, as if we are spiritual beggars. We are in Christ. We are seated in him at the right hand of the Father. The old me has died. We have a new identity and we have his spirit living in us, his identity. We have the full resources of heaven. Listen, says Paul, recognise who you are. Recognise what you have and where you are placed in Christ and live like it. Begin to think like Jesus. Begin to live like Jesus. Father God, thank you that you have placed us in the heavenly places in your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for all that you have given us. Thank you that we are new persons in Jesus. Help us this week, this day, to live like your Son, to think like your Son, and to give glory to you. Amen.